Welcome to the Student of the Game podcast with Tim Stone, where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs to extract the knowledge you need to increase your income and avoid simple mistakes. You learn from their failures so you don't have to go through the same thing. I hope that you find one lesson you can apply to your life from this episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Student of the Game podcast. I'm Tim Stone here with our special guest, Jason Feltman. Jason, Thank you for being here. Uh, we just recorded an episode on your podcast. I appreciate you bringing me on. Now we're going to interview you. So uh, tell me a little bit about what you got going on. What I know you run multiple businesses and coaching and you were talking about insurance, uh, but give me catch me up to speed. Yeah. So I um, like up until my 30s, I was I was working for other people, bartending and um, I went back to school and I I really wanted to get into my own business. I wanted to start my own business, but I didn't know what to do. And so I went back to school and I'm working, I'm having kids and, and trying to, trying to survive. And, uh, my wife's family, all insurance, uh, agents, uh, within the family, all for a large, uh, captive carrier, um, with hands. I, I don't know if I, I'm not really allowed to say, but like, <laughs> yeah, you can figure it out. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I said, Hey, if I'm not, if I don't know what to do by the end of school, I'm going to, I'm just going to get into this. So that's what I did. And, uh, I, I quit my job and dove into insurance, bought a small agency for a ridiculous amount of money. And then just pretty much found myself drowning. in I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get any sales. Um, how, how did you buy it? Uh, you weren't, I bought like, so I had a little money saved up. So I used some of that and then I got loans on it. But the I, pr I probably would have never, I definitely would never have done it if it wasn't for my family that um, my wife's side of the family that helped me get the loan. It's actually a lot easier than you would think it is because I mean, if you think about it, like most, like all the banks are backed by insurance. insurance. Yeah, so it's a pretty safe investment for a bank to give you money for an insurance agency. Cause you know, like we were talking about on the other pockets, like membership, right? Like, you know, that you're going to have a certain amount of retention and those people aren't going to go anywhere. So, um, yeah, so I did that and it, it was, it was wild. I, and I, I had zero idea like what I was doing. I've always tried to prior to that. I always try to avoid management, avoid, a lot of the responsibility that came. And then I just dove into owning my own business where as a manager, and then I had to figure out sales and everything. So that was, uh, that was rough for the first year. And I was just buried. Like, like I got into it because I started having a family, a couple kids, and I wanted to provide a, a better life for them. I loved how my wife's uncle was able to take all growing up, take his kids, uh, to, to softball or little league, um, be able to do everything with his family. Like, you know, like you see in books. So I was like, mm -hmm. I got to do that. Cause I'm, I was bartending until the wee hours and it, and it was brutal. So when I got into the agency and I, we weren't selling and we had a, a small staff that wasn't selling. And I was like, I was literally showing up at my desk at the crack of dawn. I'd watch the sun come up and then I watched the sun go down. And I was like, this sucks. Like, and then I felt the pressure of being a manager, being an owner, uh, sales aren't working out. Now I got to do payroll and like do all this stuff. And it was overwhelming. 
And then I just realized like, like if I can figure out the sales piece, then at least I have the, I can figure out how to grow. And so I really just dove into that for the next, for, for the end of the year of that first year. And, and then I got just obsessed with it. So we developed a sales system within the agency uh, using all outsource callers and all this stuff and grew the agency, grew another uh, offshoot of the insurance agency, built another one up and took that system that we built and started coaching and providing services for other agencies to be able to do the same thing. And we were able to get best in company and all this stuff where it's like, dude, I, I'm still not, I'm not a great insurance agent, like by any means, you know, my, my team, my team are great insurance agents, but like, mm. not me. I'm not. What, what, what changed that made you guys produce so much? Um, really just, so focusing on sales, we knew that sales, like it, it so we were only selling a few policies a month and maybe like 10 with a staff of like three or four people. And, mm. and I was just like, dude, this is not putting any dents into growing this agency. Like if we do this, we have to do hundreds, you know, hundreds a month if we want to go to get to where we want to go. So, um, we started with one sales agent, kind of like I, I was telling you where it's like, I realized like I can only sell so much, but I can train other people to sell more. So we started with one sales agent and then started uh, getting a couple more and just really focusing on sales and then getting, uh, in leads. And then it was like outsourcing people calling on the leads and we built up a big old call center and then, um, built up a huge sales team. And then it was just like, we were, we were pumping it out for a while. Mm. And is that not typical in insurance for people to build out the team like that? Like why, you know, why, why wasn't it uh just common information? To build I would that say, way? yeah, I would say like 10% maybe of agents care, like really get into growth. A lot of them are, a lot of them are, um, they're like really good agents, right? Like, 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 like mm -hmm. a lot of older insurance agents are really good agents. They talk building relationships. Yes. They hand out business cards. Yes. Talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, I just had a, a fire under my butt. I think it was because of how much, like it was, we bought the agency for three quarters of a million dollars and I never bought anything like that before. So like having that pressure was like, I was like, dude, I'm never going to be able to get out of this. <laughs> like, so like we need to figure out massive sales. So yeah, I'd say like 10% of agents try to grow a lot. And then I would say maybe like 3% of agents go that route. Okay. Yeah. And then that worked um, phenomenally. And then you yeah. started coaching on it. Yeah, it worked good. We opened a, a separate agency. Um, we grew from about two million in re recurring revenue to nine, with the seven being from um, from those sales. I, and a lot, it's funny too. I was just talking to somebody else. Everybody advertises like, "Oh, I was able to grow my agency to thirty million," but a lot of it's through acquisition. Like, it's really hard to grow when you have, like we were talking about with the retention and everything else, all the fall off plus. Um, so, so that one process was able to get us from two to 9 million. Um, and so that was, that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, we started coaching other agencies on how to do that. Hmm. 
and then the the coaching business it just from what i know took off and does pretty well uh, also is that the is that the main thing you do now coaching insurance or insurance yeah so right now i'm um i've started a a separate project <laughs> um a marketing project helping other entrepreneurs be able to do what i did with the last coaching business which was um so we started that in 2020 the insurance right, one or the, yeah the insurance okay. coaching business and is coaching and services to help them outsource with uh getting callers and helping mm-hmm. them with leads and closing deals um so we started that in 2020 right before the pandemic and then that happened and then all of our we had a small handful of clients but they all they were all blowing up and then when that happened like people were around their phones more so uh we grew that the first eight months we were able to grow it with just me and my business partner. I think we were, we did it with just us two for like eight months and we got over a million dollars in sales. And then we hired a couple more people and um, that one just hit over eight figures in revenue since 2020. Wow. So yeah, that, that's, that's cool. Now we've kind of stepped back from that. We have an awesome CEO that, that took over, um, really helped get that business steady. And we were kind of like in the fluctuation of, of selling a lot and losing a lot and like all over the place. I'm a very ADHD kind of dude. So, um, all over the place, but he came in and just really organized that organization. So then I started, uh, helping, uh, other business owners just kind of create some of those systems online where you can dominate online. <laughs> yeah and mostly online coaches coaches and consultants primarily consultants okay yeah and, and what you just help them build the systems leads help them build, closing yep help them build the uh, systems leads closing help them with uh getting some help within their agency helping them with the marketing and freeing up enough time margin within their agency or their their agency within their business so that they can focus more on you know the bigger picture items which which was kind of like that moment with me and my agency where it was like I'll never forget it was like there was this moment in time where it was like I realized I can't talk to every like I have to stop talking to clients in order to grow because there's just not enough time in the day. And, um, once I did that, that was like, taught me the lesson of like, Oh wait, like nothing's going to burn. Like you have a a great staff, like other people can do things that, that, you know, sometimes they're better at it than you are, you know, like, and Mm -hmm. they can do those things where you can, uh, sit back, be a little bit more uh, strategic and then grow from there. Yeah. So when you get to doing a couple million in revenue, the people is an important piece. Yes. I would say much earlier than that. If you want to, if you want to, I would say like getting to, you know, a couple hundred thousand you can do on your own, Mm -hmm. but you're going, you, you are definitely going to be the bottleneck if it's, if you're just solo or even if you're not like, it's just, and you think you always think that it's going to be harder with more people, but it's, it's quite the opposite. It's much easier with more people. Yeah. Is that because you hire people to manage people or what, why is that? Yeah. It's because 
it's because once you have like a process, if you can create a system, so what, like when you hire someone, you have to figure out what they're going to do, create a system around it, create exactly what their tasks are. Um, you'll know, I think when you first do it, you, you don't really have much of a system. You get them to try to do things, but like, as you continue to do that, you, build out a system for them to do. And then you start realizing, okay, if this many leads get brought in, if the, you know, if we have this much business, then they can handle this much. Okay. So like if I brought on another person, they could handle X amount as well. And then, okay. So now we, it, we, we, we could get more leads, more salespeople, blah, 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 and really see that whole funnel. And, and you start understanding, like you understand the math behind it a little bit more and it's a lot less, it can be a lot less uh, emotional in the sense where it's like, you're not hoping, wishing, guessing you're, you're more of like knowing like, okay, each person can do a range of this to this. So, you know, you'll be in this range. And so if I get that person then I need this and I need, so if I have these three things lined up, then I'll know at the end of the day, I get this much revenue. Hmm. So are you a big numbers guy? Like just looking at all of it and the numbers and the percentages or you know, I know it's an I, important piece, but you, you don't have to be that guy. I'm, I'm a na- like I'm a, I'm like a napkin tactics guy. So okay, yes, me too. In this, yeah, in the sense where it's like, and I and I joke with my business partner with the insurance because he he says he's the numbers guy, and I'm like, dude, you don't like looking at it. Like we, like we're not like spreadsheet. Like I'm not a spreadsheet type person, but I love okay. it. I love seeing the spreadsheet. I don't like doing the spreadsheet. Exactly. So, the, yeah. la- the last real estate deal I did, I did everything on the calculator on my phone. Like nothing more that, than that. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and it should, I mean, I think in, in certain aspects, it should be like that. It sh- because once it's super complicated, it's like there's too many pieces that can go wrong in something, mm-hmm. right? Like I, the reason why I wanted to start making a lot more money at one point was because it's like, I I didn't want to have to like nitpick the dollar amounts, you know, like I didn't want to be like, Oh, we're missing this. Like it's like too much work. I was like, okay, well, if you make five grand more than your bills or 10 grand more then Hey, you're good. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, just curious, I guess it was probably with the insurance business when you started it out and like not a whole lot going on at, at what, like, how did you learn all, all that stuff first? And then when did it start to turn to a lot of money and what changed for you? That's a great question. So when I first got in, we were told that we couldn't make any bonus or anything with the way the agency was set up. So it was just my whole plan for the first year was meet every single person in the book of business talk to them on the phone and just kind of solidify the book of business. The previous agent, um, his wife died a year prior that, and he was running the agency with her. She died a year prior and then he was out of the agency. So they only had people in the agency that were like, you know, helping out here or there. So they didn't talk to him. And I just felt like the book of business was, it wasn't that it had a good retention, but it was only because they knew that his wife died. So as soon as it, Hmm. He sold it. I figured like everybody's going to take this opportunity to run. So I was nervous about that. So I, so I just, the whole plan was to just talk to out of these people. And then I'll never forget. It was like right after summertime, 
going into fall and they call the people uh field sales leaders that's that's in uh that your liaison to the insurance agency told me hey you could bonus this year but you got to sell 200 policies and i'm like dude we sell like 15 policies there's no chance that we're going to do this so that's when i was like okay well like i have to do this because if i had that bonus money it would get get us over the threshold to be able to take that money and do something with it because yeah. i was going to make $60,000 that year well i i mean that's i think right around what i did and i was making $100,000 bartending so i was like mm. this is none of this makes sense to me you know i just bought yeah. this super expensive work, work twice as much and make yeah, half the money I was, I was like this, this is a, i had a lot of anxiety that first year i was like this is the stupidest thing i've ever done uh, what what um, what do you mean bonus is like the the captive insurance company pays a bonus or? yeah so and same with independent they'll give you like a bonus based on like activity or sales or something right so you'll get like let's say 10% you get of the renewals but like they'll give you an extra 4% if you hit bonus of like all the renewals for the whole year something mm-hmm. like that like or within a range of like 0% to 4%. So I I had a chance to make um like an extra like 60,000. So it was like basically double my income for 200 policies. I was like yeah, I got to do that. So um that's when we hired someone and we just both of us just banging the lines. This is what we called it, dude. Yeah. Just, were you just, buying leads or where were you getting Yeah, we started that's when we started buying leads. And, um, we almost hit 200. We hit enough to bonus. We didn't max the bonus, but we hit enough to bonus and we got the money. And then I was like, okay, um, selling 200 policies in two and a half months. What, I mean, if I'm already working, like, I, like how do we sell 200 a month or Every how month. do we, yeah. yeah. Like how do we, like you did it in two months and you hadn't even done it in the whole year prior Right. How do you keep doing it? Yep. So that's when we started figuring it out and like, okay, buying leads, getting the CRM, like figuring out like the the whole funnel, figuring out how do we, um, what systems can make more dials. And, and then it was like, how do we get more, like the worst part of being a salesperson is just making outbound dials. So I'm like, dude, let's get our agents off that because I would rather just agents talk to talk to people all day. So then we hired telemarketers to do that. And that was like a huge piece. Um, we got up to like, at one point we were making like 9,000 dials a day to get mm. X amount of quotes and, you know, X amount of sales. And it was, uh, but it was like that. It was like looking at it more like a production line, just to really like, how can we just speed up time? Um, how how many deals would you get off of nine thousand dials? We were doing. We were doing at one point. Well, we were selling about close to three hundred thousand a month at the at the peak, and that was the average policy was a thousand, like the average deal was about a thousand bucks. So we were doing about 300. Um, so I think it was like, I want to say like 15, something like 10, 15 deals a day. Yeah. 
but it ranged. It, it was all over the place, you know, right. like one day you'll have a hot day, one day nothing. And you're like, yeah, we did the same thing we did yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, that was, that was fun. Yeah. So w- with marketing and everything, did you go to Alex Hormozzi's book release the other day? I did. I did. did well, what that did you was think awesome. of that? I thought it was awesome. I love that he used Russell's, uh, yeah, the stack. Yeah. The stack, <laughs> the value web, stack. but, f- but to hammer in the point of how much value he gives for free, like it was so good. Yeah. I, I saw some people say like, I love the fact that it was free because less people are going to do it. <laughs> that just oh, creates yeah. more opportunity. Because so, so many people are just not going to do it because there was no investment for them. Right. Uh, and they were probably super excited and they're probably freaking out. And hundreds of thousands of them have not clicked on the course yet. Right. Haven't bought the book. <laughs> yeah. It's um, so funny. It's interesting stuff. But but that that's super important. That's one thing like with our business that um, we've never had until recently was like paid advertising. It's all been the way that you were doing it. Like go meet people, shake hands. Uh, you know, send them a message on Instagram, cold call them if you find their business card at like a, <laughs> at a restaurant or something. Um, but then, and you can only do so much, but if you've got, you know, 50 to a hundred leads a day coming in that are like willing to have a conversation with you, like they, before they even come in, they've said they're willing to have a conversation. You can just scale so much more. You just pay for the attention. Yeah. It's, it's crazy too. Cause, um, I like, I look at that side of it as it's better. It's why is it better? Um, Because like there is definitely more intention on your side of what you're doing. I would say Um, Mm. because you're more face to face. People are more engaged. I know when I took over the agency, there was no walk-in. So I didn't have that option. So I was like, how do I do this? So I'm buying these internet leads that other seven other agents are buying. So, so, so their so phones ring seven times a day. Yeah. So then I was like, well, if I can't, if all leads suck, like all, <laughs> because they kind of do right. Like getting, yeah. reach, reaching, if all leads suck, then we just have to be the best at reaching them. That's why we did the call center. Right. It was like, okay, if most people make three to seven dials, we need to make 30 to a hundred dials on these leads because that's what we can control. But hmm. I think what, what I liked about Alex's course and book was that he talks about the four quadrants where it's like you, you're looking at it um, like what you're doing is so important and it's so important to have organic and it's so important to have leads as well. And I think that they're like different faucets. And to your point, you're, there's going to be days that on your side that it's going to max out. And then there's going to be days like we're talking about where it's like the leads suck, you know, and you can't get a hold mm-hmm. of anybody and nobody's closing deals from the leads. So um, there's definitely like advantages to both. I think. Have you gotten into any creative follow-up outside of just dialing 30 to a hundred times? Um, I think so. On that side, it was texts, emails. Uh, there was no DMs just because it's mm. a different yeah. monster. I wish the DMs would help. But it, it was always like the the best of actually getting a hold of somebody again 
was always following up with something personal, following up with like what they like to do or like, did you, oh, like, like if they said that they liked football and that game happened, you'd follow up about the game. Like always follow up with something that they like rather than what you're selling them. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that always helped uh, rather than, did you look at the insurance quote? It's like, nobody, nobody looked at it. it yeah. The answer was always no. That was if, the no. Question. Yeah. If, if if you looked at it, it would have been a yes or a no. So we would <laughs> right. have had the answer already. I like yeah. I like to do a video message. I'll just, oh, I'll, that's awesome. I'll shoot a video message, put a face to the name, send it to them. You know, most sometimes you even get a video message back, which is pretty awesome. And they're like that super uncomfortable awesome. and they've never done it before. But since you sent them one, they're going to do it back. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> also like to hit people with just with a FaceTime out of the blue. Uh you oh, know, that's awesome. face to face. We're having a conversation. Um, probably the only person that day that FaceTimed them. So they're like, what the heck is this? Um, that's so good. With bigger deals and the more personal and higher level people doing that, uh, that is definitely the way to go. I mean, I definitely think, yeah, if you can leverage like a real cell phone rather than like a CRM. So yeah. FaceTime, I think, is a good, that's a great one. Or, um, Videos really good. Yeah. Those would work fantastic. And it, I think that's the thing, right? It's like what we were always thinking about doing is how do you not sound like a telemarketer? How do you not look like everybody else? How do you like sound like you're just calling your friend? Hey buddy, what's up, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you get out of the, the mold of what everybody else is doing so that you could actually break through and, you know, be the real person rather than you know, getting shut down. It's that yeah. knee jerk reaction to sales. Exactly. Paper. Cause I mean, what you pick up the phone and say hello. And all of a sudden you hear the, the chatter of a call center in the background and yeah. like, you know, and then you just hang up. That's what right. everybody does. So yep. would, did you guys figure something out, kind of get around that you did to make the process better and just connect with people better? Or was it really just a, a numbers game when you were running all that stuff? Yeah. So we would practice like the opening line. Like, hey, man, how's your day going? Like, we would practice that over and over and over again. Because most people, when they jump on a phone, it's all—it's—it's it's exactly like, vi- like if you're doing video or podcast, like whatever anybody does, as soon as you're jumping out of your comfort zone, you... Yeah, like, you're not thinking anymore. No, you're back. You're like into like, everybody jumps on a phone. Like every insurance agent jumps on the phone. Like, Hello, sir. How are you doing? It's like, oh, dude, you sound horrible. Like you would never call your friend like that. So then it was mm-hmm. practicing. What do you do? To your, what do you say to your friend? Now just do that. Like sound exactly like that. Don't sound like whatever that <laughs> that yeah. guy was. And, and I, I think we all do it. I don't know why we all have a built-in telemarketer voice. We all do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the worst. Like if I jump on video or something, I will. I'm better in this form when I can like see somebody and feel like I'm in a conversation. But like if I'm recording a video or something, I just I turn into like a weirdo and I'm Mm. like, Hey, this is like some weird, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. I've got a few, you know, 10, 15 minute YouTube videos that will never be uploaded. Cause I was like, what am I even talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And and I always, uh, you know, have the realization when you ask someone a question on a podcast and you know, they're trying to think of an answer as quickly as possible. It's like, was that, was that the real answer is the first thing you thought of and we're recording. So it's what you said. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it just all comes with practice. Um, 
I started this podcast. Uh, well, it had a different name, but two and a half years ago or so, because I knew nobody's going to watch it. Literally, like you start a podcast, nobody's going to watch it. And no. you could probably get 50 to 100 under your belt before people are actually watching it. So right. it's okay if it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can just cut out the best parts and put them on Instagram because that's all that anyone's going to watch anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that's 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 just how you get better at things by doing it, practicing. Uh, did you get, so I, I'm assuming you did a ton of sales training. Did you have like a course you guys did or you just did it all in house? Um. So I did, you, you know, it's weird. Like, I think I learned the most from the sales training from just marketing books. I mean, we, everything from, I mean, I, I read books, sales books, persuasion, you know, like Stephen Covey, like the, uh, Grant Cardone, um, yeah. some of that stuff. But like, I think I learned the most from like marketing books. Cause I, it translates so well, like when you don't know marketing and like, I love, uh, Russell Brunson's books when you look at it, things that way, it's like almost, it shows you like a different angle of like psychology of why you, and then it, you translate it to like talking to somebody and it's like, Oh, okay. Like that makes more sense. Um, but I think what I learned the most during that time was like, the more you can just like help people and sound just like literally help them, not like tell them anything, but just, help them from their side genuinely care and and have a really good follow up process like those people dominate the most so mm. yeah and one thing i'm curious about is hiring cuz we're we're hiring a lot of people right now constantly hiring does it were you just always bringing on as many people as you could or what did that look like in your agency yeah so we had when we when we had to ramp up to open the other agency, we had like, they do this thing in captive agencies where it's like, you pick, like you can't hot, you can't sell anything until day one, but they have this really great commission structure on day one. Well, it's not like you can hire everybody on day one and then get that really good co commission structure. And then the commission structure starts going down. So it was like, I had to hire within two months, I had to hire like a staff of like 15 and train them. So it was, it was a hiring funnel. Like it was straight up. Constantly we were, or just on the front end? On the front, constantly, constantly for a while. Cause I needed that first year to be awesome. So, and there was a lot, I mean, we we're spending almost a hundred thousand a month in leads, um, which you know, I never spent anything prior to doing that. I was like, this is insane. Um, but like, so I created a hiring funnel and it was all based on group interviews. So it was, I had, I did the exact same thing. I had callers and people on a bunch of leads, a bunch of outbounds trying to get people into a funnel basically to, to, um, to like a, a little bit of a sales letter of why, you know, every agency sucks and why nobody gets any results with them and how I'm investing in them. And I, you know, our yeah. mission and everything. So hiring is sales too, or recruiting it's, is. It yeah. is. It, yeah. Even, yeah, like exactly. And, and so it was just getting every, as many people as I could on those um, group calls, which I, it's funny now looking back, it's like, it's, it's basically a webinar, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, and then from there, it was like meeting with them one-on-one, -on -one, like weeding out all the, you know, 
the wrong people and then uh, going down to one-on-one and then hiring, hiring yeah. and training as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. When you're working with coaches and this is in all kinds of different industries, uh, what do you think is the, the main thing they need to focus on to make their first $1 million? I think a having a team being able to transfer their abilities to somebody else and just kind of getting out of your own way, focusing on one process and then just continue continuing the process. I I think that like the, the whole growth thing and especially like looking back from like what we've done, it was the most boring part of it, which is just wash, rinse, repeat, you know, just like focusing on what actually is making a difference and just doing that over and over again and more leads, more sales, you know, more help in those areas, um, hiring somebody before you need them rather than when you need them. Cause when you need them is way too late. And then, um, yeah, that's what I would say. How do you know you're going to need them? You have a coach to tell you you're going to need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's would a help. good answer. Yeah, that is a good answer. Um, I think we're conditioned to think that things have to be hard. Hard, so we tend to not want to hire somebody until things are hard. But if things are working, you just need to to do it. So I I would say as soon as something is working is when you should duplicate, you know, Mm. I, like I realized early on, I I wanted to make like, like everything like McDonald's, you know, you have to have that, that assembly line. And once you do that, you can put people in it. And like for every two people that you hire, one's going to work out. So it's like, you have to like look at things like that. So higher in twos and, and, you know, like really it's almost like you have to over index and then let the, you know, part of it kind of fade away. Yeah. Makes sense. I like before it gets hard when it's working is when you hire. Yeah. And then, so you can duplicate it. Yeah, hundred percent. So for someone that hasn't hired before and you're afraid that you hire someone, they're not going to be as good as you. Well, what, is, what do you have to do to get over that? Cause that's someone who's never hired someone. Most of the time, just conversations I've had, that's their fear is they're not going to be as good as me. I want everything to be perfect. Can't trust them. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm the best or whatever. The, yeah. You know, thought I, is. Well, So what I told a lot of insurance agency owners before is like, if you're the best person in your agency for anything, you're screwed. Like you want to be able to transfer that information to somebody else. And and whoever you hire is not going to be good. They're not going to be as good as you, like straight up, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you want to spend the bucks to get somebody as good as you, but like, they're not going to be as good as you, but like two people at 60%, is 120% of you. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's what you're, 
that's what you're hiring for. You're hiring for somebody that's not, they're not going to be as good as you, but you can multiply them. I, we did an interview with uh, Brad Lee one time and he's all, how many time, how many hours do you have in your day? And I'm like, I, I don't know, eight, 10. Like I, I didn't know what he's talking about. He's like, well, I got 800 because mm-hmm. I have a hundred employees. And so like, that's the, like that thought process is it. Like you want to get good at, growing like you're only going to have so many hours in the day so you can be as great as you can ever be and it will never ever trump having multiple people because that is that there's no ceiling to that so Mm -hmm. then it you have to be good at transferring your information to somebody else and so you just got to start yeah that's a big piece transferring what you're good at and helping someone else become good at it. Yeah. Because you, the, like you, yeah, it's true. You only have so many hours. And I, I love uh, the other thing Brad says is like, I've got three PhDs and a master's degree. They all work for me. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, he, he's a funny dude. He's a funny guy. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's good advice. And uh, I, I think that's a thing that I need to learn. Is like we're we're building a team. We're hiring a ton of people. Trying to hire like ten people a month, building a a pretty big team. So I'm doing a lot of training, and that's what I'm gonna focus. Like that's how I'm gonna make a million dollars. I'm not gonna sell enough tax services to make a million dollars by myself. Never. It, no, and maybe that- it's possible, but it's not it, the the way I want to live my life. It's not the gonna happen. right. Yeah, and I would say like the the. Like with the transferring of it, it really helps you like, what's the process? Write down the process. Like any script is better than no script. So like hmm. when, when you're doing that, you're, you're, then you start getting into like, well, how can we quantify if somebody's good or not? And then you get into like assessments, like the disc assessment or the mm-hmm. strengths finder. And then, okay, so the, here, here's how I can quantify some of their personalities. And then it's really like, who's coachable? Who has the drive? Who aligns with our vision like that? Like who has the um, like same core values? So like if you can line up, like start figuring out like on the disc profile, like what what skills you need, where they are on like the disc profile or Enneagram, like any of the um, personality tests. Yeah. If you can kind of see some patterns so that you can know that they fit into that and they have a willingness to learn and you're starting to have a process like that's going to dominate. Like that's that's how you get to that um, that next level and really like evaluating people by core values like your core values is huge because those are the things that you can't teach people. You can always teach people how to do something mechanical Mm-hmm. But you can't teach, like, you're never going to teach somebody how to care about this thing. You know what I mean? Care is either there or not for them. Yeah. And most of the people you hired, were they 1099 or W-2 employees? W-2. W-2. Okay. Yeah. PNC is like W-2 where like um, life insurance, they can get away with doing 1099s. Yeah. And, and, and it's completely different because 1099, you can't really require them to do anything. They don't, they're not, nope. you know, they don't really work for you. Right. Um, so they don't have to come to meetings. They don't have to come to training. So when you hire a bunch of uh, W2 employees, you got to 
you gotta have pretty significant revenue coming in to keep them. Right. Yes. And you have to know the math, like how long is it going to take them? What do they need to know? Like what, what activities do they need to do to get to that end goal? Mm. So then it's like, how fast can you get their activities up to that range? You know, and then the better you are at learning those numbers, the like faster you can do it. It's, there's always going to be like a ramp up period. So then it's like, yeah. And that you pushes know. you as the business owner to develop your people and help them yeah. increase their skills and start making money. Yeah. You, you got to pay them whether they're selling or not. hundred percent. Are you doing W2? Uh, we're, we're trying 1099 right now. We've done oh, awesome. W2 in the past. Um, and then, you know, we'd have people come on, do the training and then sell nothing. And right. Like, well, we paid you for four months and you've brought in $0 of revenue. Um, yeah, which, which tough. is, I mean, I, I, I'll take blame on that. It's like, we didn't train them good enough. We, we right. didn't get, we didn't get them a sale. It's our fault, but it just, you can't, we can't have it. So like, as of the last two months, we're trying 1099 right now. I think the number one thing that if you can get them to believe that they can do it, then they, then they'll be able to do it. But if they don't believe that they can do it, which most people, it's that Dunning Kruger effect where it's like people come into anything that they do with just so much optimism and so much, but they suck, but they think that they can, that they can, right? Like mm-hmm. they think that their talent is 10 times more than it is. And they come in with all this enthusiasm. And then all of a sudden you hit this, like this reality. Yeah. Where you're like, this sucks. This is going to take a lot of work. I can't do this. Um, maybe I should like, they start, you know, second guessing, especially employees that, uh, came from another industry. It's like, maybe I should look for another job, like all that stuff. And then that detract, you know, detracts them from actually like putting more time into it. So you got to coach them through that and like, really be like, dude, you're going to get this. All you have to do is this. So like what we told people that came into our agency is you're going to suck for 80 quotes. So get those 80 quotes under your belt, get on the phones, like, Quick. I want, yeah, like five to eight quotes a day, like, boom, like we need to get to 80 and don't worry about it. Like suck, you're going to suck and you just need to get to those 80 as fast as you can. Because we have people that would get scared to get on phones and stuff. And I'm like, dude, it'll take you six months. You'll, you'll be fired. Like there's no chance mm-hmm. that. Um, so, and I think and it all comes down to belief. Like most of the people that crushed it came from other industries throughout the years of, of, of us uh, doing that. And I realized like it really came down to belief. So it's, it's, you got to get them a win as fast as you can. And so like speed has everything to do with it. So like get them in, get them to believe as fast as they can, get them a win. And then once they start believing, then they start acting like they can do it. And then when you Mm -hmm. act like you can do it, you have the actions that produces the results. Right. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. That that's been a big thing. My goal is very quickly get a win. Like first first week, first two weeks, get a sale, get a commission check, and then yep. like, okay, this is real. If I work harder and do more of these, I'll make more money. And yep. and like that's a just in sales in general, that's a big motivator for a lot of the type of people that get in sales is money. You know. Yeah. You can make. You can work as much or as little as you want. You can make as much or as little as you want. 
um, and the type of people we're looking for, you know, obviously looking to make more money. Yeah. So. And m- m- people that don't want to work that much and wants to make a lot of money, um, they're usually the wrong people for sales. Yeah. Cause it takes a lot and it's like, dude, this is going to suck. Like one of the things that we used to use in our, um, hiring is like, tell you all the great things about it. Right. And then tell you how much it's going to suck and that you're probably not going to make it. So yeah. then it's like, you know, I, do you I, I heard, uh, Andy Elliott say that like part of their interview process, you sit down with him and his wife and they talk you out of the job. Right. <laughs> and Love if you it. still, if you still want to do it, if they can't talk you out of it, then maybe you get hired. That's awesome. It's dude, you need that because that everybody's going to hit that, that dip. And it's like, I'd rather them hit the dip at the interview than, you know, four weeks into it. Yeah. Or at least know it's coming, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, I, I got a lot out of that. Uh, hopefully someone listening, if they're still listening at this point, got a lot out of that. Um, (laughs) but is there anything else? that we should cover that you want people to know or um well i love what you're doing uh with real estate i think it's such a i mean once people make money they invest in real estate and so i think it's cool that um the four quadrants that you guys have and and it's it's spot on to you know building wealth and i think that you know if anybody's listening that has business and wants to build is just keep on keeping on because all this stuff can be hard you're gonna suck it's like the 80 quotes you're gonna Mm. suck at a lot of stuff and then it's just continuing like to do it and a lot of people switch doing things but like this um business real estate these are the things that are cornerstones like that's not going to change so Mm. so keep on keeping on yep (laughs) that's it and where can people uh, find out more about you get in touch with you um, I'm on, uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you can go to jasonfeltman.com and, uh, yeah, we're just trying to put out a, a lot of content and talk to a lot of people. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, if you are listening still, thank you. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Dan. See ya.